Today on the 1012 Podcast, Kansas State guard Gabby Gregory joins us to talk about the birth of the Gap Goat and why she's tweeting at Cyclone Larry. Plus, we're forced to talk about Big 12 football win totals and team power rankings in February. And Cincinnati's bubble, is it ready to pop or do they still have a shot at the tourney? This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network. Find every show on the network at 1012network.com. That's T E N, the number 12, the word network.com. Plus, we are partners with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Y'all, Big 12 sports is, I mean, just collegiate sports is in full effect. We're coming to the end of the season in men's and women's basketball. Tennis is going strong. Softball is up and going. Baseball just got started. Oh, it's a lot to keep track of. It is a lot to keep track of. It's hard. It's incredible. It's great. The Big 12 is doing well. The Big 12 has got itself positioned in a lot of situations. They're really good. They've got great teams in the cross country, but it is hard to follow all this stuff. It just really is. I, and I love it. It's I said on Twitter, it is it is heaven and hell. It's heaven because there's so much fun to pay attention to, and it's hell to try and keep track of it all. <laughs> I just don't I don't have the mental fortitude and wherewithal to try and do as good a job as I would like to. But we're gonna do our best. We're gonna do our best here on the show. Uh joining me today, as he does every week, he is the host. The Blue Wings Rising podcast. No, it's the Rock Chalk. I the website. Blue Wings Rising is the website. Rock I know. Chalk podcast. I know. Man, I know. I know. No, I no. Know. See, this is a good example of all so many things that they like crowd each, themselves out in your brain. Uh, well, you got a podcast and a web. He's Andy Mitz. If you, yeah, everyone's yeah. Part podcast is their first. That's his name. He's Andy Mitz. Um, Okay, uh, we have coming up here in just a little bit, we've got a fantastic interview with Gabby Gregory from Kansas State Women's Basketball Team. We're going to talk about the team. We're going to talk about Aoka Lee uh, and her coming back. But more importantly, we're going to talk about two things I know you're all excited about. She is the, let's call her the mother of the Gap Goat, okay? If you don't know what the Gap Goat is, you should. It's fantastic. I'm going to get one. But she is the mother, uh, the mother of Gap Goat. Like, we're just going to put her head on... Uh, a Khaleesi's body in a meme and replace the dragon with a giant gap goat. It's going to be perfect. I, I'm uh, I'm a little scared right now. And then also blonde. And uh, if you didn't know, uh, just to say that she is Cyclone Larry's Valentine. And if you need the backstory on that, you're going to find out why we're saying that. So absolutely fantastic interview. You're going to want to stick around for from that one. We've got a lot to get to. Obviously, there's a lot of basketball going on. Men's and women's side, a lot of stories to get to. We're, we're almost to the home stretch. We're almost to the last... Two weeks of the regular season on the men's side. Women's is there. So uh, we're going to talk a little basketball here in a minute. Obviously, uh, Vibe Queen, JSJ, Jamie Sire Johnson, not here with us today. We're going to talk a little football here for a second because some stuff has come out this week that we just we have to address. Um, first of all, FanDuel released win totals for the 2024 season in February. They suck. I- I texted Daniel <laughs> Alexander, our pro picker, who's with us every Thursday during football season, and said, hey, LOL, want to talk about win title totals on the podcast? He said, in February? Hell no. 
because it's dumb. It's dumb to put out win totals now. Like, it's dumb. And if you're putting money on win totals, if you're putting money down in February for a season that doesn't begin until September and you won't find out if you're going to win or lose until December at the earliest, you degenerate. I'm just that that the word feels appropriate uh, to use right about now. Yeah, like literally the only reason you would even consider it is if you think one of those totals is just so off base because of inside information that you have. Like that's it. That's the only reason to ever vote this or to ever bet this early on a on a season win total for a team. And this is the Big 12, so good luck. Oh, this right, right. Luck. I'm not saying that that would actually be good information, oh, but if you thought no. you had that bet, then yeah. I mean, I could understand that potentially, but it ain't happening. Uh, so I want to talk about that, specifically in comparison to Josh Pate of uh, Late Kick with Josh Pate, CBS. Also put out his Big, his Big 12 program rankings heading into the season this week as well. So it's interesting to have these two things kind of side by side to talk about. We want to talk a little bit of football. So let's start with the win totals. I'm going to run through these as quickly as I can. Um, Y'all, if you want to take notes, pause, wait till you get to the office. If you're on the car, please don't, you know, listen to a podcast and take notes while driving. Kansas State and Utah at nine and a half. Arizona, Kansas, Texas Tech, and UCF at eight and a half. Iowa State, Oklahoma State, TCU at seven and a half. West Virginia at six and a half. Baylor, Cincinnati, and Colorado at five and a half. Arizona State, BYU, and Houston at four and a half. That's, those are the win totals I have. It's interesting because every team's got a half. There's no dead on, and usually there's a couple that are like five. They're like, okay, we'll see how that one goes. Um, just just early thoughts. Because again, I, it's, I, I don't want to talk about it from the standpoint of like, I'm going to say over or under. I'm going to say more of the collection of like teams I think are overvalued. Y'all, the Big 12 has taught me anything. It's this. Um, if you're good for a year or two, eventually the reload is a, the, uh, the, the rebuild is a coming. I don't care who you are because the big 12 rebuilds teams who are really good, even for a two year stretch, because they get a bunch of people to come back. You're going to lose a lot. I get that Avery Johnson is the second coming. He is going to be just incredible for Kansas state. I'm not arguing with that. I like DJ Giddens. It's the year of the running back in the Big 12. It's the year of the running back in college football this year, but it's definitely the year of the running back in the Big 12 this year. I think Kansas State at 9.5 is overvalued. It's just not how the Big 12 works. Even with Oklahoma and Texas leaving, you're going to bring in four new programs that you're just not familiar with. Oh, by the way, Kansas State has to play another Big 12 team in Arizona in non-con. Like, I think 9.5 is too high. I'm not saying take the under. I'm just saying I think the overvalued right now. Utah nine and a half, who the hell knows from the people I've talked to, like Utah is going to be the biggest pain in the ass to play because they are incredibly physical. Y'all can laugh and hate them because they're fans or whatever. That's fine. It's going to be a pain to play. Um, and then I see a whole bunch of teams and I'm like, I think, I think Iowa State, OSU and TCU at seven and a half might be a little undervalued. I think West Virginia at six and a half might be a little undervalued. Um, I've got real concerns about how do you, how do you betting Arizona right now with a whole new coaching staff? Why would you put a win total out for Arizona with a whole new coaching staff and a bunch of players who left? Kansas lost a ton on defense. I swear every time I get on Twitter, another analyst from Kansas is going off to the NFL or some other team. Uh, Texas Tech, 
I said year three is the year. We'll see. UCF just got the perfect quarterback for their system in KJ Jefferson. I'm eight and a half is interesting. Um, and then Baylor, Cincinnati, Colorado, five and a half, like, okay. Arizona State, BYU, Houston at four and a half. Like, maybe I think BYU will do better than four and a half because they, they did that this year. I, I like, I just, I don't know how. I will use these to help me in figuring out like perceptions of teams based nationally and kind of help me dictate how I feel about teams heading into the year based off of who's a dark horse and a contender and so on and so forth. I think it's insane that there's win totals already, but I don't, and I don't know how you pick the big 12. I don't necessarily hate all of these. I'm just kind of like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I think the main impression that I got is like the ones that I'm thinking are weird is mainly because I'm paying attention to the schedule, right? Like you look at the schedule and you look at, where things break, who they do and don't play, um, you know, for like, so for example, Kansas, I think Kansas this year coming up, is going to probably have as favorable a schedule as you're ever going to get in the big 12. Uh, just in the way everything breaks in terms of homes and away and who you're playing and not, I mean, they don't have to play Oklahoma state. They don't have to play Utah. They don't, you know, like it's that sort of thing is going to be few, I think, and far between where you're going to have a team that is good. It's bringing back a lot. And has a schedule that could uh, potentially help them, you know, be much better. And I'm and 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 they're, and they're not the only one, right? But like some of the other ones where, like, I look at, you know, I look at something like a like a BYU, like you said, like I think theoretically they could be significantly better. But you look at their schedule, and like that's the way that you like have to look at it. So I think that's the biggest problem right now is that so much, as we saw last year, so much is dictated by how hard your schedule actually is, and. West Virginia was a perfect example last year. It looked like they were going to have the toughest schedule going into Big 12 play. And then, oh, hey, guess what? It wasn't the toughest schedule. It wasn't even close because a lot of the teams that were expected to be tough for them weren't actually as good as we thought they were. So, you know, unbalanced schedules will do this. We're so used to not, like, to be able to just debate straight up the strength of the teams and maybe, you know, like, timing of the schedule would be a little bit different. But now who's actually on the schedule is going to be, be just as big of a deal as when you play them. Yeah, we have, we've had to deal with that this year, obviously. And we're still trying to figure out this whole unbalanced thing. And the point of West Virginia is solid. Like, we thought it was be a tough schedule. It wasn't as tough, tough as we thought it was because TCU took a big step back. And Baylor was bad. And Cincinnati came in and wasn't very good. And, like... It's not a knock on them. I love the fact that West Virginia went out and won nine freaking football games last season. But I do think this is going to be a good West Virginia team. I do think they're going to return quite a bit. And so I now want to look at Josh Pate because here's where I think this stuff is interesting to look at at this point in time in February. Josh Pate put out his, I mean, one through 16 power program rankings. Okay, so let's go in order. One is Utah, then it's Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, TCU round up the top five, Kansas at six, UCF at seven, Arizona at eight. I think someone's paying more attention to the fact that they lost their head coach in a bunch, even if they are bringing uh, Nova Fafita and the wide receiver whose name I'm not going to pronounce correctly, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, I'll get there by August. Iowa State nine, Colorado 10, West Virginia 11, Houston 12, Arizona State 13, and then Baylor, BYU, and Cincinnati round up the bottom of the program rankings here's where i think all of this is interesting and my the way i want to look at this is where do i think 
people are doubting or down on programs I think that are being undervalued. And that's West Virginia and Iowa State. West Virginia win total at 6.5. Pate has them 11th out of 16. Iowa State 7.5 in win totals for 2024. Josh Pate has them 9th. West Virginia... Garrett Green is not as good as West Virginia fans want to say that he is, but he's a solid enough quarterback. They've got a running back tandem, and Jaheim White, as a true freshman, was fantastic. And that, I think at this point, over is oversaturated C.J. Donaldson. They're going to have a good offensive line. It's going to be a good offense. Like We'll see how the defense looks. But like I think West Virginia is getting undervalued, and I think an Iowa State team that was very young last year didn't give two squats about the non-conference or the bowl game not the, the team for Iowa State that came out, and I don't feel like people remember this, the, if you go back and look at Iowa State's team during the non-conference last year, and then the team that played in the conference schedule, they were two completely different styles of offense. They basically just went, we're not, they play, they pulled the OSU without playing three different quarterbacks. It's like, we're just not going to let you know what we're going to do. And then we're going to come out in conference play and shock you all with a young team and a quarterback that I like. Like, I think Iowa State and West Virginia right now are being drastically undervalued, and I think are the perfect examples of dark horses for the Big 12 this year. Which is hard, because it's not like, you're going to have favorites in the Big 12, but even the favorites, to me, aren't going to be, like, locked-on favorites. Like, good luck. The teams that wake Arlington every year are, like, preseason picks 1, 5, 7, 9, or 8. Like, okay, awesome. Based off this... Picking Iowa State and West Virginia to make it Arlington feels like a good buy or a good bet because based off history, it seems very likely to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I look at these power rankings, you know, of the programs themselves and kind of look at the criteria that's there. And I do think that there's quite a few that don't really necessarily match up to what what I would expect. Like for West Virginia, I do think that they should probably be higher than 11. But I don't know how much higher because you look like one of the big things, obviously on-field production with the exception of this last year, you look at the four years of Neil Brown and it's like they underperformed where a lot of people expect them to be um, talent acquisition. There was, you know, part of the reason that they underperformed was because as a whole across the entire roster, there were some potential issues trying to actually get the talent in that they wanted. And then the only reason that there's stability there is because they don't have the money to, or they didn't have the money to get rid of Neil Brown before last year. And so like, like, and I'm using West Virginia's example because it's the easiest one that comes to mind. I do think there's plenty of other mismatches around here, though. The real question, though, is like, how do you weight the three different things? I think for different schools, you have to weight different things, you know, differently. Like, I think Iowa State, the on-field production should be a bit better. Like, it should be a, a, a bigger weight, um, you know, and they have a lot of stability. But I, I would I would say that some Iowa State fans think that that stability could be part of the problem, right? Like, not getting rid of assistance when you needed to, not changing the way you do something when you think that, it's not working, that sort of stuff. So, you know, I just think that this is, it's one, it's a little bit different in that, like, I look at this and this reads a lot more to me of, you know, who, who, who has impressed me the most recently on the field? Like, even though there's supposed to be all these other criteria, you know, like, I think Texas Tech has been overperforming what a lot of people expected the last few years. And a lot of people are impressed. But last year, you know, they were, Picked as a dark horse, and I think a lot of people still think that they have the potential of being a good team this year. Um, but you like you look at Utah, like Utah gets all kinds of praise for being in the Pac-12 and the way that they played in the Pac-12. But with the exception of last year, everyone, you know, the Pac-12 was considered to be a joke of a conference. Like, yes, great job, Utah, that you basically ran that conference, you know, for 
four or five years. But last year was the first year that we looked at the Pac-12 and actually took them seriously and thought that they played really good football. Um, so, like, you look at this, and I, I just don't, I don't know what this list is supposed to be telling me. Um, you know, talent acquisition, does that taking into account, like, does NIL slot in there? Does it slot into resources? Like, you know, can't, like... I talk about Kansas NIL program because I, I'm very familiar with it. I know that they're not, they're not the only ones to have a really good NIL program, but I think Kansas is undervalued in terms of how good their NIL program is and how how well integrated it is into what the athletic department is trying to do. You have a lot of schools that have really good, you know, high dollar NIL programs, but there's times that they're kind of at odds with what the athletic department wants. And so, you know, I, I do think that there are, different ways to look at these programs. Is it the amount of money that you have? Is it the, um, you know, how stable you've been, even if that stability hasn't really produced results? I, I just, I look at this and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what this is trying to tell me. And I don't really know how to turn this into anything that is useful for this season coming up. It, it feels it's much more like a beauty pageant of this is, Hey, this is what, these are the teams that Josh likes, or this is the, these are the schools that Josh likes what they've done over the last few years, but that's about it. The Texas Tech stuff, I can tell you this. It's based off of continuing to recruit at a high level the last few years since Joey McGuire got there. And then our expectation of the schedule for them is it's not that difficult. Let's walk through their schedule. Right, we're going to do the schedule thing just for a minute, and then we're going we're gonna to move on to basketball. Abilene Christian at Washington State, North Texas. Okay, Arizona State in Lubbock. Arizona State, not very good. Cincinnati in Lubbock. Cincinnati, not very good. And, and that's a non-conference they, they should go 3-0 and in, right? So now you look at probably at potentially 5-0. and Road trip to Arizona. Well, there was a lot of high expectations for Arizona. We don't know what they're going to look like with the new coaching staff. Okay, and then they get a week off. Then Baylor at TCU at Iowa State, Colorado. Well, TCU is down. Iowa State, okay. Baylor down, Colorado. You get Lubbock, <clears throat> okay. Another week off, and then you close with at Oklahoma State and then West Virginia at home. And so looking at this, <coughs> there is no Kansas State. There's no Kansas. There's no Utah. Right? The other teams that we think are supposed to be high on the list in the Big 12 this year. Th those are the top three schools, right? Those are the schools that a lot of people are saying, okay, these are probably the top three contenders. We don't know what Arizona's going to look like. Oh, there's no Kansas on this schedule either. And so from the perspective of, Texas Tech should be high because the schedule is going to work out in their favor. Well, we, we, we've seen that work. and We've seen schedules but, not be as good as we as good or as as bad as we think. Would it shock anyone if Baylor bounced back this year? If TCU with their talent that they get bounced back this year? We just said I think Iowa State's underrated. There's a three game stretch there that looks a four game stretch with Colorado at the end of it that looks easy. That could be way harder than we expect. And then you have to end the season at OSU and West Virginia. Like the Texas Tech stuff is. They've had three straight, or at least two straight, really good recruiting classes by Big Twelve standards. They're bringing in talent. Yeah, but but you but have here's a schedule the thing. you think you is easy. At, Go ahead. Right, but but you look at what this graphic is, and you look at the way that Josh talked about it. Right, this is supposed to be like you know power rankings of your your franchise as a whole, right? So like if you're looking at everything, like like in the NFL, right? When you look at a franchise. Like, which ones are the big ones? They're not in the ones that are expected to be the team that's the best, you know, the next year. They're the teams that are extremely consistent with their with their performances, that they have a lot of resources, and that they do things well, like they operate well, efficiently. That's what this is trying to emulate. The problem is, 
like I don't know that some of these make sense. Like Texas Tech, yes, they're 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 getting a lot of talent right in the last couple of years, but the on-field results haven't been there consistently over the last three or four years. Um, you know, and the resources, I I wonder about their NIL program. I haven't heard. Oh no, a it's lot good. About, no, okay, no, like no. like I've I've heard it's I've Te- heard it's good. Texas Tech but, has one of the best NIL okay, situations perfect. in the current Big Twelve. No, and and that's fine. So so maybe there's a few things that are, you know, like two of those three are in really solid positions and that they just need to get the on-field production. And and like you said, this year might be a good year for that. I'm not necessarily saying that that they are too high at number four, but you look at that immediately and with some of the other ones that are in here, especially like Iowa State down, West Virginia down, it looks like this is much more of a, what do I think, how, or how do I think they've performed compared to what my expectations would have been in the last few years? When in reality, this is trying to represent itself as as looking at a whole bunch more. Well, it it's there's also recency bias built into it, but isn't a bad thing. Like we got to stop. No, that's fair. The Big Twelve of of any conference, you cannot. Well, ten years ago, doesn't matter. Five years ago, oh yeah, I agree. Doesn't matter. Like Texas Tech is recruiting really well. They've had two straight re, two classes that's, that I think were outside of OU and Texas, like the best in the Big Twelve. Like they're recruiting really well. Their NIL program is set up well. They are. They're not having a lot of coaching turnover. Like, I, I get why people like Texas Tech. Texas Tech's also done a really good job from a PR standpoint of getting people excited about yeah, it. Yeah, that's so, true. So, I, I understand the the pre the early love for Texas Tech. I get it. I'm not going to argue with it. I said year three for me was going to be the year that w- this should be the breakthrough year. And if this is program is going in the right direction, year three should be the breakthrough year. This should be oh, the yeah, breakthrough yeah. year for Texas Tech. Okay? Like, it, it it should be. This should be the year they go and expect, especially with the non-conference, there's no Oregon, it's Washington State, like a schedule that at this point looks like it could be slightly easier, like expecting that to have an eight to nine win regular season if the program is going in the direction that people think it is going in. That makes a lot of sense. So, all right. Um, that's a good amount of football. Yeah, too much, uh, it's, honestly. It's for February. Right now. <laughs> no, it's February, and this is what drive this is what the people want. Okay? I know, but going. I'm a basketball guy. I understand. <laughs> I understand. We're in a weird spot with basketball with like five or six games to go on the men's side where I feel like we can have some strong takes. I also feel like it's just y'all. <laughs> there's conference is, is uh, there's enough games left for everything to just go completely insane. Oh, but we're close enough to the like we see the finish line. But the problem is there's still enough room left that everything that we think could be completely wrong. I want. I will say this: We got Jay Billis out here saying the Big Twelve is the best conference in college basketball, and it's not close. We got. uh Fran Fracilla, who's been the Big 12's biggest I mean, cheerleader yeah. for for years. Uh, we, we've got national people out here going like, no, the Big 12 is the best. And it is. It's just it's it's taken this long for some of the East Coast to kind of go away and people to finally start acknowledging the Big 12 in its rightful place. Um, we have to talk about Monday. Uh, oh I'm going to have gosh. a hard time Monday. I've got a pack Monday night for a two-day work trip. Um, oh, fun. Oklahoma State and Florida just announced they're going to play a top 25 softball matchup on Monday night because both teams lost multiple games due to the weird weather down in Florida. So now I've got that that I'm going to, I assume will be on ESPN Plus. Oh, by the way, Houston and Iowa State are facing off on Big Monday in one of, I mean, this is a top 10 clash that with Purdue's loss. Ooh. Yeah. It's going to be a top 10. It's going to be a top 10 clash. 
Here's the question. Are we it talking might be a top five two clash. versus ten? I will. Will Iowa State jump that high? I mean, I think they'll jump over. Let's see. Uh, in terms of who's lost this week, uh, I mean, like like Kansas lost, Marquette lost, Marquette got destroyed by UConn. Now, now, granted, they may not jump. Like Iowa State may not jump that high, but I mean, they've got to jump. They've got to jump over five teams. Man, I, at this point in the season, we kind of get to a point where I don't know that there's as much jumping as as there used to be in stuff because it's like you start to form certain opinions. Like I think Iowa state will be firmly in the top 10. They're already number 10. They're yeah, not going to drop fair. out. They might move up a couple spots. Uh, well, I think, I think also do? things like Kansas going on the road and beating Oklahoma to finish out the week kept, will keep them in the top 10. You know, I think, I think most of the teams that probably were looking at having huge drops were able to salvage the week with a, a second game that was decent. I don't think North Carolina is going to drop four spots for a loss at Syracuse. I don't think Marquette's, I don't care how bad they lost, is going to drop from fourth to out of the top 10. So, like, it's a top 10 matchup. It's a top, It's a huge matchup. Not just because it's two top 10 teams and two of the best teams in the country and two absolutely incredible defenses. This game, I said, there's a lot of basketball still to be played. Like, both teams still have six games left on the schedule. We'll have five more after this Big Monday showdown. But this game is going to play a big role in deciding who wins the Big 12 in the regular season. Because Houston and Iowa State are tied at 9-3 and three in the conference standings. Baylor's a game back at 8-4. and four. Kansas is a game and a half back at 8-5. and five. They have a, the, the, the week off their back on Saturday. Everyone gets that one kind of rest week. TCU, Texas Tech at 7-5. and five. And then everyone else has six or more losses. They're, they're out of this. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way, though. If Iowa State wins this game on the road at Houston, I, I don't see how they're not the number one seed in the Big 12 tournament. Maybe they share the conference title in, in the regular season, but I don't know that anybody can make up enough ground to overtake them because they'll hold tiebreakers against Houston. They'll hold the tiebreaker against Kansas. They'll hold the tiebreaker. I think they hold the tiebreaker against basically everybody else. Uh, uh, they haven't I played think, Baylor thought, yet. They have a No, no, they, they beat. Or they oh, lost yeah, to sorry, Baylor. I'm looking at the wrong one. I'm looking at the wrong one. Forgive me. Ignore me. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I thought they played uh, two games against Baylor, but they did lose to Baylor. So they actually would lose a tiebreaker to Baylor. But that's it. I mean, so, yeah. Yeah. I would say it goes to Houston. Now, here's the other thing about the schedules. Let's look at the two of them together. And the Big 12 is wild and wacky and yada, yada, yada. Houston's going to play Iowa State at home. Go to Baylor. Get Cincinnati. Go to Oklahoma. Go to UCF. Get Kansas. That's a, that's a solid final six game stretch Iowa State at Houston home for West Virginia currently the worst team in the Big 12 or last place home for Oklahoma good team not great on the road at UCF they can upset teams at their own at home they have they beat Kansas home for BYU they're not a great road team they also lost by double digits at Oklahoma State this weekend which was surprising to me you and then they close out at, at Kansas State you look at Iowa State schedule Iowa State has the easier schedule of the two teams the rest of the way. No, I think, like, yeah, they're going to own the tiebreaker for Houston. If Iowa State finds a way to go into Houston and get that win, that's going to be, that is going to be tough. Like, they'll win the tiebreaker. I don't even know that they'll need it if they beat Houston this, like, on Monday. Now, now, granted, if they lose again, I mean, if they lose against Houston on Monday, that's not the end of it for them either, though, because no. they'll be a game behind, but Houston, I think, has... The top Probably has 
well, Houston probably has three big potential roadblocks, like three potential big bumps on their schedule. Whereas I think Iowa State maybe has two, maybe. Um, and so like if, if if I'm picking a team, if I'm picking a team that can withstand that loss and still get the Big Twelve title, it's it's Iowa State, no doubt. I as it's it's I'm gonna have to have like multiple screens running on Monday just to keep track of of absolutely everything that's going on. I'm I'm if you're not excited about this home stretch, if you're one of the people who's like I don't care about Houston or Iowa State, if you're a Big Twelve fan, this is gonna be good basketball. Just watch it. Just just watch because one of two things are happening. We're gonna have a great basketball game. Or we're gonna have a game where the refs are gonna screw it up on national TV, and the calls for Hey Big Twelve, fix this is gonna get louder. And that's the end of our ref talk. For today on the 1012 podcast, join us next week when we try not to talk about them again. Uh, let's talk about the bubble because I, this is time. We're at bubble time. As we said, five or six games for everybody left on the schedule. Uh, I believe, let's look through bracketology. Last check, most of everybody has nine Big 12 teams in. Uh, Joe Lenardi at ESPN does. He's got nine Big 12s. Uh, let's see what CBS has. I believe CBS oh. has eight. Well, but I haven't looked today. Jerry Palm is an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure he had eight with two Big Twelve teams as like the last four out or the the first four out. Uh, he's so. got he's got Texas on the bubble. What she? I'm trying to. Uh, I'm sorry. I love doing this live. Don't y'all? Isn't it great? Um, I need I need you to just tell me how many teams from. From a conference, each conference. Don't make me. Don't make me do math. Jerry Palm's got a bunch. Uh, a bunch. See. That's all we need. I, to know. The point is, consensus is eight or nine. Fair. Yep. Everybody's good oh, yeah. there. Yeah, for sure. Eight or nine teams for the Big Twelve to make it in. I I got to count from it, Jerry Palm. I'm just. Uh, I can't believe we're gonna do this. Uh, one, two, three, four. There's four there, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Palm has nine. Okay. Yeah, no, the important thing is the the Big 12 has four of the top seeds, or four in the top one through four seeds. Mm-hmm. And that came from the bracketology reveal. But, uh, I mean, yeah, they just can or the uh the big 12 has just so much going for it it is ridiculous right now but yeah so so bubble teams like the teams that are kind of on that bubble there um let's see cincinnati i think most places have cincinnati out as one of like the first four out or the yeah, second at this four point out. cincinnati Kansas state ucf osu and west virginia who are on the outside look again those are your those are your five yeah of um, those of um, those five I think of those five, Cincinnati's probably the only one that has a realistic chance of working their way in. Uh, let's look at let's look at the net rankings. See, what's wild is Cincinnati is 35th in the net. Oh, and I know. TCU and Oklahoma, slightly. Um, just behind Texas. Three and six in quad one. Same as TCU. Uh, they are two and two in quad two. They've got a quad three loss, which is not ideal. No quad four losses. Kansas State, Kansas State's 80th, UCF 67th, um, but they've got a quad four loss. That's killing them. They are two and or four and ten in quads one and two. Cincinnati is five and eight. 
and then Kansas State. Uh, like I think Cincinnati has an opportunity, a real one, to find their way on the right side of the bubble. But they got some work to do. Yeah. Am I still looking at the wrong thing? Man, I got I got the women's tabs open, and I keep clicking. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Oh, it's way you, too easy. Y'all, when there's eight tabs with the ESPN logo on them open, it's hard to know which one's which. I hate I, – I, I need to do better prep, but, you know, kids are kids. So, okay. So, but but looking at this, though, like, because I went over to Bracket Matrix, which, you know, compiles all the brackets, right? Bravo, bravo. Um. And so, like, teams that are as at-larges in someone's bracket somewhere. Cincinnati is the only Big 12 team that does not make the consensus bracket that is in someone's bracket. Um, the lowest Big 12 team is TCU as an 8 seed. Texas also as an 8 seed. You have the 6 seeds, according to Bracket Matrix, like the consensus here, is that BYU, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma are all 6 seeds right now. And then you have Kansas uh, as the last two, Iowa State, Baylor as the first two threes, and and Houston, of course, as a one. Um, so like I think if we're realistically talking about teams on the bubble, I don't think that Oklahoma at this point is on the bubble. Now, if they lose out, you could talk about them being on the bubble, but but even then, I I think that's you know they're if they're not a lock. Well, they, so no, yeah, they're not a lock at this point. But Texas Tech, Oklahoma, TCU, and Texas, none of them are locks. They're not locked in. No, that's fair. They've got That's plenty fair. of work to all of them have plenty of work to do. But right, but I, I think I think I think that BYU, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma are all in the should be in category. That unless something goes terribly wrong, they're gonna make it. I'm not convinced with Texas and TCU yet. I do think that they probably will make it, but I, I think that there's they could have some things go their way or not BYU, go their BYU. way. BYU. BYU is BYU is still number 10 in the net. No, 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 no. I there. didn't say BYU. I said Texas oh. and TCU. Oh, you said TCU. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. My no, apologies. I was like, I was like, wait, wait a minute. BYU is one of the three that I thought was in the should be in category. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, Texas, TCU and Cincinnati, I think are the three that we're talking about as potential at larges that are still kind of iffy at this point. Right. Um, Cincinnati is number 36 in Ken Palm, one spot ahead of Oklahoma. Um, I mean, look, Cincinnati's got work to do, but they're on, it, it helps to play in the Big 12. They've well, got... right. I also think that Cincinnati is a, is kind of a victim right now of being the new guy in the Big 12. So I think that they have to do more to establish themselves as a Big 12 team that's worthy of inclusion since they came from the American last year. Like, yeah. it's not fair, I don't think, but they also have just had a brutal stretch that they didn't get any gigantic wins in it. And so... You know, you look at like a Texas Tech. We we have plenty of examples of Texas Tech being a good team. We have plenty of examples of Texas being a good team, of TCU having good, you know, years in in the uh, the the NCAA tournament, almost getting a few upsets in the last few years. Like we have a good track record for those teams as part of the Big Twelve, and so it's a lot harder, I think, for a team like Cincinnati who does not have that track record, who you know has 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 a good program, yes, for sure, but they've been in the American. And it's they're you know being seen as kind of taking that step up and needing to prove themselves. I think there's a little bit of that going on here. I mean, they've got wins on the road at Texas Tech and BYU. Um, the way the UCF road win was a huge one for Cincinnati. That was absolutely a must win. For yeah, them. it was. Uh, it, they, you know, you played a close game with Houston and couldn't pull it off. Um, 
the loss at West Virginia hurts. The I think Dayton sucks. They've got a quad three loss, which is not ideal. You really don't want to have a quad three loss. You'd like to. You're going to need a couple things to overcome that because at this point they are what <clears throat> eight and, or five and eight in quads one and two combined. The schedule down the stretch for Cincinnati, the opportunities for them. Let's call it that. Opportunity, good and bad. They get. They've got OSU and West Virginia at home. OSU is the, the is midweek this week. West Virginia at home to close it out. Um, they've got road games at TCU, at Houston, at Oklahoma, and a home game against Kansas State. Do not lose your home games because those are three teams currently sitting on the outside of the bubble. Don't lose like, your. Those home are three games. teams that if you lose are probably knocking you out because yes. neither oh, like, yeah. none of them none none of them are a quote unquote good loss. Not that there's no, ever actually no. a good loss, but it's a, you know. No, um, it, it, it's not good. West Virginia is 156 in the net. It's a bad loss. Oh, At yeah. Home, yeah. That's a quad four. OSU is oh, yeah. 126 in the net. At home, that's a bad loss. That is just a bad loss. Even Ken Palm has got the, both those teams ranked low. OSU is 111th. West Virginia is 149. Yeah. Those are absolute. You cannot lose those games for Cincinnati. Like you I, I really think don't want to lose to Kansas State either, because at this point they yeah. are what in the net? Uh, let me pull it up. I'm right there, 80th. Yeah. If home, if you're Cincinnati, if you if you go anything worse than four and two, then I think it's you have to go on a big run in the Big Twelve tournament. You have to go three and three. Yeah. And well, I, you, I like. I think the they problem is like they're all their all their opportunities. All their opportunities are on the road. Right. Like they have, you have can't lose games at home and would be great if you could get one on the road. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, I, you know, it'd be nice to get 10 teams in. God, it would be nice. It would. It would be nice. All right. We've gone too long. Way too long. Ramble, 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 ramble. Uh, it it's football's fault. <laughs> It is football's fault. What are it you is. putting out win totals in February? What are you psychos? Uh, we've got Gabby Gregory coming up. You can learn uh, where the gap goat came from and why she was uh, Cyclone Larry's Valentine. Before we get to that, charliehustle.com. Y'all know who they are. They are sponsors of the Tintle Podcast, sponsors of the Page 12. Partners. Let's just call it that. Like We love Charlie Hustle, and we love the relationship they have with the Big 12 and the relationship they have with us and how much they love Big 12 fans. They've had a great President's Day weekend sale going on. So if you're listening to us on Monday, get to the website now. There's a bunch of great deals. Those are going to end on Monday. Okay, 30% off select gear, 40% off sale items, 20% off all fleece. They've got a bunch of Kansas State stuff or uh, Kansas City Chiefs stuff going on. Like there is... So many good deals. That's going to end on Monday. So if you're listening to the show on Monday, go to the site now and go check everything out. There's a ton of great stuff with great discounts right now at charliehustle.com. If it is after Monday and all those sales have gone away, don't worry. You can still save 15% off all non-sale items with the promo code 101215. T-E-N-1215. Okay, they got more than 30 schools to choose from. That includes 13 of the 14 current Big 12 schools. Sorry, Cincinnati, they're working on it. Just keep letting them know. Colorado is one of the schools they have as well. So go to charliehustle.com. Shop on Monday. Save, save, save on great stuff. If it's after Monday, 10, 12, 15 for that 15% off all non-sale items. So go to charliehustle.com. Charlie Hustle, vintage, made, fresh. All right, let's get to Gabby. You know us, 1012 Network on Twitter, 1012 Pod on Instagram and Threads. 
Go to 1012network.com. Check out every show we've got. Leave us five stars and maybe not after this. You know what? Maybe don't leave us a rating and review after this episode. I'm not sure it's our strongest one. Jamie, come back soon, please. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday to talk some softball as we do during the softball season. I've already had people like, well, I, don't, I don't care about softball. Cool, I do. So that's my show. That's what we're going to do. Uh, Andy Mids12 on Twitter for him. Don't forget to check out Rock Chalk Podcast. We'll talk to y'all Thursday. She is part of the absolutely incredible Kansas State women's basketball program. I mean, at one point, this team was number two in the country. And that's, that is, I'm still having a hard time wrapping my brain around it. Not because they're not good, but just because the idea of number two in the country, Kansas State women's basketball, is just not something I ever thought we would see. Very excited to have Gabby Gregory joining us today. Gabby, welcome to the 1012. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We appreciate you taking some time out to talk with us today. So I mean, I'm going to start right there. You guys reached number two in the country. That is awesome. That is absolutely incredible. That's not a shot at, at you guys whatsoever. I think it's a feat that deserves to be praised and accomplished. I know we're not at number two right now. That's okay. But being that highly ranked, having the season start the way they did, like I know you guys' goal is for that. Did you expect to have something like that happen this season? Um, honestly, we didn't really talk too much. Um like before the season stuff of like expectations, Coach Mitty kind of just didn't really want to even like talk that far in advance. We kind of just put our focus more on like taking every day at a time and focusing on like what we need to get better at each day. Um, and so we still kind of have that mindset of like next game, um, even like our game coming up this weekend, like Coach Mitty said, we're playing UCF. And uh, Coach May said this is the biggest game of the season um, to us. And so it's kind of like that same thing of like maybe to other people that doesn't seem like the biggest game of the year would be on Saturday against maybe a team lower in the in the rankings of the Big 12. But that's kind of like his viewpoint on it. Um, so, I mean, obviously it was really cool to be number two. Um, we did face like a lot of adversity after we did get to number two. So it's been, uh, you know, kind of, kind of a tougher stretch since then, but I mean, it's still something cool that we can celebrate and we can um, look back at it, but obviously we would like to get back up there. <laughs> look, I, I know it's like every game is, is the most important game. I know it's a bit of coach speak. It always feels that way, especially early in the season. As we get to the closing stretch here in, in the season, I mean, the race for the regular season crown, the race for seeding both in the Big 12 tournament, the race for seeding for the for the NCAA tournament, like every game is a big game. I think that absolutely applies. I mean, how do you, how focused do you feel like the team is both just on game by game or is there some view of like we have these other goals we want to achieve? Um, I think obviously it's like in the back of your head, like thinking of um, even just regular season, big 12 seating, things like that. Um, obviously we want to host, everyone wants to host. It's just a huge advantage. Um, especially if you play here at Bram, uh, we have incredible, incredible, uh, home court advantage. So that'd be a big deal if we were able to host, but, um, so just even looking ahead, that does make you focus even more on the game, um, on hand, just because every single game is so important for those bigger goals. So, yeah, that's why even just our game on Saturday, it's huge because uh, like Coach Mitty said after, you know, we took a tough loss up at Iowa State, which again is a really hard place to play. Um, but he's just like, we can't let one turn into two. Like we just got to stop it right here. 
um, tough game. We didn't play nearly as well as we wanted to, but um, we kind of just have to flip a switch here and then just, you know, take one game at a time and finish it out. Looking forward to that uh, Farmageddon rematch when you get to host them here in just uh, about a week or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, as you mentioned, the Iowa State loss, part of a a tough four-game stretch, losing three of your last four. All three came on the road against very good competition. As you mentioned, Iowa State's a very difficult place to play. On the road at Oklahoma, who is the hottest team in the country, you could argue right now, at Texas, which is always a good program. Like how, obviously... Ayoka Lee was back. We can talk about her in a minute, but it, it, it was a touch stress for you guys. I mean, how have you guys kind of handled this last four games and how do you feel like it's impacting the team moving forward? Uh, yeah, I think um, obviously not having Yoki out there was very tough um, considering it, it, this might've been our, our toughest stretch of games that we've had all year. Um, so it kind of came at kind of a bad time, but um, you know, I, you can't choose when you play your games. You know, it's just the luck of the draw. But um, I think we fought really hard. I think we um, we did a lot of good things on both sides of the ball without her out there. Um, obviously, um, not enough good things. And then, you know, getting her back, it, it, she, I mean, she went through like kind of a, a tough surgery and, you know, wasn't able to be out there with us. So obviously, like there's going to be a little bit of adjustment when she does come back and play. Um, And so we were really happy to get her back uh, this last game. And obviously we needed her out there. I mean, she got that last second bucket to send us into double OT. Um, She's just such a presence on both ends of the floor, offensively, defensively. Um, She had what, like seven blocks in the game. So obviously we, we really, really missed her and we're glad that she's back and she'll just continue to, you know, get back to playing how she was before she got injured. I mean, obviously, we've, we've got to talk about her. Uh, Yoki, as you referred to her. Uh, the impact we on the court, we understand. We all know. Like, that she is incredible. We're talking Big 12 Player of the Year caliber of performance this year. Off the court, not having her on the court is a big deal, but off the court, how important is she to this team? Oh, she's very important. I mean, she's a... Uh a leader, um, a veteran. She's been here for six years. She knows um, K-State better than anybody, I think. Um, And she's just such a presence, um, like you said, not just on the floor, but off the floor as well. Um, She really knows how to talk to people. Um, She's just a really, really great teammate. Um, So obviously with her not on the floor, she still is impacting the team just as much when she's off um, on the sidelines. Um, obviously in game, she does a lot communicating. Um, and I personally, I just love having her out there. I think we, we play well together. We understand each other very well. Um, so it it is tough when she's not able to be out there, but I think she'll be good the rest of the year. All right. What's, what's your personal goal for the rest of this season? Obviously as, as a team, you guys have big aspirations with as good as this team is for this year. But personally, mm-hmm. how, what are you? What kind of pressure and responsibility are you putting on yourself as part of this team moving forward? Yeah, I think uh, obviously I've had to go into a different role than I had last year with Yoki coming back. Um, I've tried to just you know do what I whatever I have to do, kind of like be a glue person on both ends of the floor. Um, uh, just have to do my job offensively and do my job defensively. Um, I I have a I know what to say uh, on the court. Um, so I just have to make sure that I'm always uh, 
knowing when to say, um, helping my teammates. I, I see things very well. So just continuing to be a, a really good teammate and uplifting um, maybe the younger girls because we have such a deep team that we have a lot of girls that are playing that um, haven't really played much college basketball this past game. Terrence Sides played a lot of minutes. Um, and then we have Zy Walker coming off uh, of the bench that's playing really high minutes for a freshman, and she's doing amazing. So just trying to let some of my knowledge, you know, give that to them, let them absorb that. Um, and then just obviously we want to win a conference championship, whether that be um, during the season or the tournament. Um, and then hosting the NCAA tournament and seeing, you know, what kind of run we can make. Okay. We have to talk about your impact off of the court. Specifically, if people have noticed maybe some stuffed baby goats that have been <laughs> around the arena this season, we have you to thank for that. Okay. You got to fill me in on the backstory. Where did the baby goats come from? Okay. So basically the, we have three captains on the team and it's me, Serena and Yoki. And Coach Mitty had come to us before the season started and just said, um, we basically have this drill that we do in practice, and it's called the, the gap drill. And basically, some people call it a kill, but it's just three stops in a row. So defensively, if you get three stops in a row, that means it's one gap. And so he wanted us to come up with a way to count and celebrate when we do get a gap in a game. And so he's like, I don't care what it is, but we just need a way, like have some fun with it. You can do whatever you want, but we need to know like how we're going to count the stops and then celebrate the gaps. And also our goal is to have seven gaps in a game. Like that's the goal. Cause he's, there's some statistic, but I want to say it's like, if you get seven gaps in a game, like at the division one level or something, you win 94% of your games or something like that. So that was our goal. And he gave that to us and we were just like, okay. And I just started thinking and um, my favorite animal is a goat. So I, it just kind of came to my head and I was like, GG gap goat. It, it kind of just flowed. And I was like, okay, what, what about this idea? And uh, they just kind of looked at me like Yoki and Serena were just like, what? Like, okay, like I, I whatever you want to do. And so I kind of just went off with it and I got with Casey Ardobo and I was like, okay, what if we got a stuffed goat? And whenever we like got three stops in a row, we could hold up the goat. And when we got seven stops or seven gaps in a game, he could get like a chain that has a seven on it. And it just so happened that Amazon just had all these items easily accessible for us. And so we went on Amazon and we found this giant stuff to go. And it was honestly perfect. Uh, he was, he's just so large and he's not flimsy. So he's very firm. If you hold him, he doesn't like flop around like a normal stuffed animal would. Um, and then the chains, like it was just a huge hit and and everyone really liked it at first you know coach Mitty, he kind of thought it was stupid and was just like <laughs> who came up with that and they're kind of serena and yoke are kind of looking at me like it was gabby and he's like of course but eventually he was even the one that said that it should have an instagram account he was the one that came up with that 
And I was like, oh, so you think it's cool? Like, you, you think it's that cool? It needs an Instagram account. So then had to make it an Instagram. And um, I wasn't even the one that came up with the baby gap goats. There is a, a fan that comes to all of our games. He sits courtside. And he had just come to a game one time. And he just had this little tiny white goat with a K-State jersey on it. And was like, look, it's baby gap goat. And we were all like, oh my gosh, where did you get that? That's incredible. And so we just thought it was the cutest thing ever. And then people started asking like, like, oh, that'd be cool. Like if I could have my own little gap goat. So then I was like, okay, let me like do some like research in on this. And I found all these different tiny goats on Amazon, the tiny, they're like pet jerseys like for a, like a small cat little chains they're actually just bracelets but they go like on their neck like a chain necklace even seven necklaces to go and I put them all in my Amazon storefront and then I just put that out there I put it on Twitter and Instagram and stuff so people could use my link and they click on it and it has everything you need to make your own baby gap go and we have seen a lot of them at the games I, I have personally signed the jerseys of at least 60 goats. It's been insane. It's so awesome to see people out there with their little goats. I think, I, look, you created something that at first glance seems silly and has caught on like wildfire for Kansas State fans. Like the fact that everyone's like, I, people are coming like, wait, wait, what is this? What is this? What is this goat thing? Why is it? The, the fact that you set up an Amazon store. So the people who could make uh, build your own baby gap goat is is absolutely fantastic. If you're a Kansas State fan and you want one of your own, you just go follow Gabby on Twitter. It's at GabbyGregory12. And right there at the top is the pinned tweet with the link. You can build your own. Uh, my goal is to have one in time for the NCAA tournament so we can have one for the network that just uh, will help cheer you guys on. I, I think that's fantastic. It really is. I do think it's funny that everyone thought you were crazy. And it was silly. And now everybody, like fans have all bought in. They're all they're all on board. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was it was pretty even my teammates, they kinda cause no one really we didn't really like explain it that well. We were kinda because we had come up with the idea like right before our first game. So we were kind of just like last minute ordering all the stuff. We're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if it's even gonna be here in time. So we kind of didn't even like explain it that well to anybody. And so our teammates were still just like, like, what is, I don't understand what's going on. Like, what is this go? Like, and they're just kind of looking around like, this is so weird. Like, this is so weird. But now everyone loves it. And we're like really upset when we don't get seven gaps in a game because he doesn't get his chains. And then we don't get to like celebrate with him in the locker room after the game. Cause when he gets his chain, then that's when we're in the locker room and we take pictures with him and we post them on Instagram and stuff and we get to celebrate him. But if he doesn't get his chains, then we don't get to celebrate with him, and we're pretty sad. <laughs> All right. There's there's one more Twitter interaction we have to talk about uh, <laughs> that came on Valentine's Day. Uh, I think most Big 12 fans and most listeners of this show are aware of the uh, – let's call him the Big 12 Twitter personality. I think personality is a, is a fair way of describing it. Cyclone Larry. A troll <laughs> seems a little bit too far. Personality seems like you'd – you tweeted out a Valentine's Day quote, Happy Valentine's Day, Cyclone Larry. Will you be in attendance to my game tonight? He did reply, quote, You know I wouldn't miss it for the world. I have to understand. Gabby, 
Why are you uh, tweeting at Iowa State's and the Big 12's most infamous uh, Twitter personality? I honestly, I had followed Cyclone Larry on Twitter like last year sometime, and he just happened to follow me back. And I follow a lot of the the uh, K-State burner accounts. That's what I call them. <laughs> and, you know, I just I like looking at their tweets. Um, so I follow a lot of them and I had seen Cyclone Larry and I followed him and he followed me back. And so we had been following each other for a while now. And I just thought it'd be hilarious if I tweeted at him. And it, and it just happened to be Valentine's Day. So it just made it even more funny. Um, so when I did tweet at him i didn't expect it was gonna just blow up the way it did um and it absolutely did um and and it was pretty hilarious and he still has has tweeted at me during the game after the game the probably the funniest part of the whole thing was we're playing at iowa state and it's in the second half and i get fouled and i go to the free throw line and i'm shooting my free throws and the student section is chanting Cyclone Larry, <laughs> Cyclone Larry. And I'm just like, this is not real. This is not real. And if somebody's not like as chronically online as I am, like they would have, like if I had to sit here and try to explain to my dad, like what that means, he'd be like, I don't get it. <laughs> but like either you get it or you don't get it. And I just saw it as an opportunity. I was like, this would be hilarious. And it, it was so <laughs> Getting the Iowa State fans to chant Cyclone Larry at you at the free throw line. I mean, between that and and Gap Goat, Gabby, I don't, I'm not sure you could find a better better like season for you than the way this team is going, creating the Gap Goat, being Cyclone Larry's Valentine. Like this has been a this seems like it's a pretty big good season for you. Yeah, seriously, uh, I couldn't ask for much more. Honestly, considering those two things. <laughs> Well, Gabby, we, we really appreciate your time today. This has been a lot of fun, and thank you for sharing with us uh, the story of the Gap Goat. Um, do me a favor. Obviously, if people want to watch you play, ESPN, ESPN Plus, everywhere, Kansas State women's basketball is playing. There's uh, You've got five games left on the schedule, plenty of big games coming up. Uh, but if people just want to see what you do on social media, because obviously you are very, uh, as you said, chronically online, yeah. uh, where can they follow you? <laughs> Uh, so all my social media accounts are at Gabby Gregory 12. So that's Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all of them, Gabby Gregory 12. All right. Well, now I have to ask, where where are you most active? Most active? I don't Okay. So what I'm on the most is probably Twitter. Like I'm always on Twitter. I don't really post on Twitter that much, but I'm, I'm lurking on Twitter a lot. Um, and then actually posting Instagram. I'm always posting on my story and stuff. I have been slacking on my TikTok game. Um, haven't haven't been on there. I just always forget about it, and I for some reason have like a lot of followers on there, and I just I just never use it. But I need to get back on the grind. Seriously. There we go. All right, Gabby, appreciate your time. Uh, good luck against UCF this weekend. Thank you so much.
Social Podcast Network.